Hey guys, on today's show we talk to our first guest. His name is Charlie Antonelli. And we talk about how he got into his first two parks and why he decided to go into mobile home park investing. A little bit about his background and then we talk a little bit about what it means to be an intentional investor. So to keep the show short, we've cut it into two episodes. And so in today's show you'll hear the first part and then we'll release uh, the second part next week. So sit back, relax and enjoy it. Welcome to the Mobile Home Park Minute. I'm your host, Tyson Cross, and in this show, we explore all things mobile home park investing, from just getting started and trying to figure things out to the latest news and changes in the affordable housing sector and everything in between. I hope this inspires you to be a more thoughtful, intentional, and successful investor in this space. So thanks for listening, and let's get into today's show. Well, today we're joined by uh, a guest named Charlie Insinelli. Charlie, what's going on, man? Hey, doing good over here in California. How are you? I am well, doing doing fantastic up here in the Northwest. Charlie is uh, this is his bio. He's a college dropout, three time entrepreneur, sold two businesses. Currently runs one of those, uh, or maybe another one, a third one. Um, he's an investor in real estate as well as uh, an angel investor. He's a dad at home amateur chef, and his goal is to be semi-retired by age 35 um, and spend the rest of his time with his family and causes he believes in. So Charlie, thanks for being on the show, and uh, I love your bio, man. Thank you for hmm. adding that uh, humor, but why don't, why don't you just kind of expand on that? Tell uh, listeners who you are, and, and we'll get into the real estate stuff. Yeah, sure. Um, well, thanks. Thanks for having me. This is my, my first uh, real estate investing podcast. So this is nice. certainly exciting for me. Uh, yeah, uh, you know, just um, my whole life, uh, ever since I was probably age 15, uh, actually age 15, I remember distinctly, I picked up my first uh, book on uh, investing and finance. And uh, I just fell in love with the idea of uh, not having to have a boss one day. Uh, you know, I started working at a very young age. Uh, and just the idea that later on in life, I would have to sort of be on someone else's schedule uh, and just have to call someone else my boss kind of felt like throw up in the mouth a little bit. So uh, my entire life has just sort of been, you know, one goal, which has been uh, financial independence uh, and, and really freedom, uh, which is, you know, I think what we're all after. So yeah. I, I've just constantly been working towards that. It hasn't been easy uh, as any entrepreneur. Uh, an investor can um, relate to. Uh, it's uh, you know it, it looks it looks good now looking back, but uh, I, I never never imagined uh, I, I'd get to where I'm at today, and I'm, I'm completely blessed. Uh, so yeah, I, I you know went to college I, as as you said, college dropout, and I included that just because I want people to know that college isn't for everybody. Um, and certainly, I, I think college is extremely important. I think we should you know allocate more funds towards college and higher education is we're all better off for it. Uh, but for me, I, I struggled in school. Uh, I just really wanted to, to just do. Uh, yeah. And uh, so I, I, um, I, I joined the startup. Real quick, if you don't mind. Sure. I, I agree with you on the college thing. I think it's, it's highly overrated. You know, we were talking before this and uh, you and I actually were at the same school in San Francisco state. 
uh, Go Gators. And you mentioned mm -hmm. really for a way to get involved in like the tech scene or to expand um, opportunities was, was more so about the network. And I found that to be true too. It's nobody cares about your degree or where you went to school, at least, you know, in my experience, I'm sure there's, there's obviously professions that make sense and it, it yeah. does matter, but, but being an entrepreneur or being a business owner, nobody cares when you went to school. It's really about the relationships you develop and the network that you create. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, hundred percent. I mean, certainly I don't want my, my, my doctor or surgeon um, getting his job because of who he knew <laughs> and, and because of some YouTube videos. Yeah. So there are certainly, I think, you know, you know, it comes to science um, and, and law and, you know, there's a real hard case for a hundred percent. You need this degree if that's, if that's the field you want to get into. But, you know, to people who aren't sure uh, and especially people who want to be in entrepreneurship uh, or just make things in their life and create, uh, you know, I, I think uh, I really err on the side of caution on taking out, you know, loans and debt, mm -hmm. Because uh, I've seen it firsthand uh, with many friends that I have, uh, and it's it's so unfortunate. Uh, you know, it, it stifles uh, creativity. People feel like they're, uh, you know, they, they owe a, a, a debt they can't repay. Yeah. Um, and and you know, when you're an entrepreneur, one of the, the the you know things you really look to analyze all the time, and especially real estate investing, is you know good debt versus bad debt, right? I mean, a mm -hmm. car, bad debt, you know. Uh, leveraging other people's money to buy real estate, whether it's the banks or investors, good debt. Uh, yeah. So, you know, to me, the difference is what debt is making you money and putting money in your pocket uh, at the end of the day uh, and increasing your equity. Bad debt is anything that you got to spend money on. Uh, and, you know, sometimes a college degree can fall in either of those two categories. And I, I just think yeah. that the sad part is, is we're asking 17 year olds to make, a, you know, a, a six-figure debt decision. Uh, yeah, I mean, crazy. you know, it's it's and it, I, it's almost predatory uh, in a lot of mm -hmm. ways. Um, I, that's just my opinion. Uh, I, I think um, it's wrong, and it needs to be reexamined 100%. Yeah, there's a debate in my household about whether our kids have to go to college, and uh, it's it's pretty fiery between my wife and I. But <laughs> even even trade school, man. I mean, I think trade schools are great. But um, we could go on on on, on about that. But. Certainly can, because I, I agree with you on that too. I do. I, I think we need we need more trade schools. Uh, and you know, if you ask me, I, I don't think a lot of people, um, you know, even if we make education free in this country, uh, yeah. higher education, uh, that doesn't really solve our uh, no. employment issue. There's there's a lot of kids that. Yeah, great. You made education free and affordable, uh, but uh, they didn't do well in elementary school. You know, they, yeah. they were, you know, they weren't invested in early on. They're not going to be able to, to compete and excel at a college level. Uh, they, they need a path. Uh, and we do need more people involved in the trades. And they need a path, uh, you know, to sort of see a better life for themselves. Um, you know, that isn't four to six years out uh, and nearly impossible for them. So, yeah, Definitely. so I'm pretty passionate about this. Me too, dude. <laughs> we could seriously spend the whole show talking about this. I have like a million different things running through my head, but trying to trying to gear it back to the real estate. So, how did you get into real estate? I know you sold a, a two businesses. What was the I point? Did. You, yeah, what was the point you got into real estate, and then specifically mobile home parks? Yeah, and so to take a step back too, I mean, those two businesses that I sold, neither of them were huge home runs. Um, it was more about, you know, I repaid investors that I had. Mm -hmm. uh, I gained a ton of knowledge and experience. Uh, 
There's your business uh, school right and- there. It was. Uh, that That was my MBA was starting yep. two different businesses. And, you know, I didn't lose money on them. I made money. But again, they didn't make me rich or wealthy by any means. They made, they made me wealthy by, by, you know, proxy of my net, network and, and my education. Um, and then, you know, the third business, which I currently still own and operate is a, is a festival in the Bay Area. Um, and that's really sort of a, uh, you know, a business I'm very passionate about. I do help, you know, a lot of entrepreneurs um, through that that festival. Uh, and so anyways, I continue to run that today, but my goal has always been, uh, and I think like if you ask any entrepreneurs and you say, what's the one book you read at an early age that had a huge impact on you? Uh, you could probably guess it, uh, you know, rich dad, poor dad. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, uh, and, and so for me, it was always the process of start businesses because that's the only way in life where, you know, at, at a pretty fast clip, um, you know, you can capture the most value. Uh, you know, and so start businesses and then, uh, and then invest into passive income and, you know, real estate being for many reasons, uh, that you cover in your podcast, uh, you know, one of the best avenues for investing in a passive income and building wealth as a wealth strategy. Mm -hmm. Uh, and so, uh, you know, I, I didn't know what to do. I I knew I started, I started to have some money in the bank all of a sudden and I knew I wanted to invest in real estate. Uh, and so I just started doing the research process more and really taking it seriously. And like everybody else, I, I started, okay, what if I just bought a, a single family rental home? Okay. Looked into that. Okay. What if I added more doors into the duplex? What if I did an apartment complex? And I started to peel it back and peel it back. And, and I was like, you know, going through the wormhole of research, I got into this mobile home park thing a few years ago. And at the time people thought I was crazy, but now it's a very popular asset to invest in. Uh, fast forward three years, it's only three years later. Uh, and, um, you know, I just, uh, I, the more I read about it, the more research I did about it, the more I loved it. Uh, and I loved it for a few reasons. I loved it because to start with, I always look at you know, a market need, being the entrepreneur, I look at the market need and affordable housing uh, in good economies and bad economies is always going to be a need. People are going to move down. People are going to move up. It's the, the middle class that has me worried, uh, you know, with market cycles in real estate. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the, I was, I, so I felt like that was a, a safe bet. Um, I also loved, uh, uh, I, I loved the fact that it was sort of a blue ocean still. Mm-hmm. Uh, there wasn't a lot of, uh, you know, it, consolidation. There's a lot of mom and pops. It's, it's fragmented. Uh, it's chaotic. <laughs> You know, the yeah. data around it isn't great. And so I saw that as a real opportunity, uh, you know, to sort of come in and, and, you know, get involved into turning the chaos into, into organization, um, at least, you know, in my small little little world. Uh, and then, you know, as you peel back, there's the fact that, okay, you don't own the homes, right? And, and you want the tenants to own the homes and, and they're heavily invested in the success of the community. And, uh, you know, you become a glorified parking lot at the end of the day. And, um, you know, there's just, there's a lot of things that I started to really like about it and the cash flow and the cash returns, uh, were great. Uh, obviously we know cap rates are, you know, compressing a little bit right now, but at the time they're around 10 caps. Uh, now they're around eight caps, as you mentioned on a previous podcast, mm-hmm. uh, that's exactly correct. Um, which is still great. And there's still a lot of opportunities. You can get make cap turn into a 10 cap turn mm-hmm. to a 12 cap the year after stuff like that. Um, so, uh, yeah, uh, I, I don't know if I answered your question, but in a nutshell, no, that's, that's kind of how I got involved in real estate and into the space. Yeah, that's cool. And I think um, it's kind of, you know, on that topic, I think talking about cap rates or values for a second, it's, it's interesting to watch the progression of value over the last few years. I mean, 
it's funny. I mean, so many people that are getting into the space, you hear all the time, right? I mean, mobile home parks are cash cows. I want 10 cats. You know, that's, it's like this, this mantra or this, um, this misconception, I think about parks, uh, you know, and, and I think back in the day there was a, that used to be the case. I mean, you could find mm -hmm. opportunities. I remember I was talking to an, an investor and he was telling me like back in the late eighties or nineties, it was common to, to buy like 15 caps, you know, and, and then it, then it became 10 caps. And now I think, I think it's hard because a lot of people will go to boot camp, you know, the Frank and Dave's boot camp, or they'll listen to these podcasts and they'll, they'll go out. They'll be like, gosh, I want to find a 10 cap. And then they're, then yeah. two years later, they're still looking for a deal. And I think that the market has shifted dramatically. Um, and that's, you know, that's something to, to really be aware of, you know? A hundred percent. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, I, I've heard Frank, I, uh, uh, first of all, you know, um, I can't go on enough about the Frank and Dave boot camp and Frank and what they've done for the industry too. If it wasn't for them, uh, you know, I, I probably would have made some very bad decisions early on. Yeah, so, uh, I tell anybody looking to get into the space that, 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 that course is worth its weight in gold. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think he has changed his tune though a little bit. I, I have heard him now saying he casts as the standard. Uh, and I think that cap rates, Oh, he has. Know, okay, good. He has a little bit. Yeah. I haven't been to a recent boot camp, but I did hear on one of his podcasts that, that he did say that that's, that's where things are now for the most part. Um, that's good. That's good. but I'm sure a lot of his old literature, his CDs and stuff are probably you know, still the 10 cap stuff and people probably hear that and still think that's, that's what it is. Um, but I think there's the, the cap rates. Uh, go hand in hand with probably two factors, right? One is going to be competition, right? More buyers than, than sellers. And that's, mm -hmm. that's where we're at right now. Um, that's going to suppress things. And then the other is interest rates, right? Because it's about mm -hmm. having a spread between the bank interest rate and what the, the property is producing. And so you go back to the 80s. Now, I wasn't really, I was alive in the late 80s, but I wasn't, you know, I wasn't doing deals at age, you know, three and four. Um, and But what I hear is, is that uh, interest rates were very high back in the 80s. Uh, I don't, I forget how high, but that might be also a good reason why you were looking at 15 caps. And so now yep. interest rates are very low, all time lows. Eventually we're looking at, they're even discussing negative interest rates in the future. Uh -huh. I don't know how that works. Crazy. Uh, yeah, that's a whole nother podcast we can talk yeah. about too, but <laughs> <laughs> totally. But, I mean, yeah. So <laughs> I think you see those two factors together, the, the, you know, it's a, it's a seller's market. And, and, and you have um, the, the lowering interest rates, you're gonna get down to eight caps. And honestly, it really depends on the market, right? I mean, the, the, the micro market. I mean, something in, in Florida or Arizona or California, they're gonna trade much lower than something in the Midwest, so. Yeah, for sure. Um, no, and that's, that's a good point on interest rate. So just, just to clarify, the interest rates directly you know, correlate with cap rates. When we see interest rates go down, cap rates tend to go down as well. And so that's why, you know, as a broker, we talk a lot about that with, with investors is looking at interest rates, making sure you're not getting over leveraged in a, in a property, because if interest rates change, um, therefore raising cap rates, right. Your, your value goes down and that can cause a negative effect on your, your asset, depending on how you, you leverage it. So, um, mm -hmm. on that topic, I should also mention too, I, I would never buy a property to keep it at its current cap rate. I always oh. buy a property that has upside that I can see, okay, I'm buying it at a 
seven and a half or an eight right today, because tomorrow in 90 days, uh, I see I can bring it to a nine or 10 cap. And in three years, I see it can be a 15 or 20 based on my purchase price. Yeah, and that's a good point. I think a lot of people get hung up on cap rate. And I've, I always talk about this, like cap rate's one of the, the most misused metrics in commercial real estate. It's sort of the, the, the gold standard, I guess, if you will. People talk about cap mm-hmm. rate, what's the cap rate? But, you know, it, it really just depends on who's underwriting the property. You can get two totally different cap rates with the same value. And that's why you have to mm-hmm. be very, very careful with cap rate. And to your point, I would buy a property at a, you know, three or four cap if I knew that I could get it to a, you know, eight cap in 30 days, right? It doesn't mm-hmm. matter what mm-hmm. you're buying cap rate is. It's what, what you, the true cap rate is of the deal when you, when you take over. hundred percent, which is why it's so important to, to, to come up with your own cap rate and your yeah. own pro formulas and, yeah. and, and then to also be skeptical and be honest about them. Uh, there's, there's two ways you can make big mistakes uh, being a real estate investor. And the first one is being, uh, uh, you know, not being able to pull the trigger, right. And, and aiming too often, too long. And then the second one is, is pulling a trigger too fast. And so there is this middle ground you have to dance within and, you know, real estate investing as a form of entrepreneurship, uh, and an investment. Yeah, it's it's one of the the safer ways to go. I, I think it's not it's a, it represents a lower risk absolutely than starting a, um, some other form of business. But at the same time, it does re- require a lot of initial capital, and and you can make you can lose your shirt uh, on your first one or two or three deals. So there is you, you've got to put in the work to study, do the due diligence, be skeptical. Uh, and, until, you know, and then, and then, and then once your skepticism is met with, um, you know, you, you validate it, that things look good, then go all in. Right. And, and then just don't, you know, and then get the deal done. Yeah. That's great advice. I, I would even add to it, you know, that first deal you do, I remember feeling like no matter how prepared you are, you still always have this hmm. doubt, right? You're like, is this really a good deal? I just don't know. Yep. And it, you're not going to know, like you just have to trust your gut. You got to put yourself in that position where you've done everything you've can to the best of your knowledge, but there's still the unknown on that first deal. You're mm-hmm. not, you're not going to know what you don't know. And, um, I've seen people get hung up on that and it prevents them from, from being an investor. But if you can get over that, that psychological hurdle, um, you know, that, that is, that can be a big challenge. So. Yeah, uh, and and if anyone is new in here or, or thinking about getting into to real estate investing, uh, there's going to be a lot of things you don't know. Just like starting any business, you can learn those things along the way. The most important thing that you can do, in my opinion, especially for your first property, is buy the right piece of property at the right price. And it sounds simple, but I think the most important thing is when you talk about the right piece of property. Uh, the number one thing to me is, is it in a market that's growing and has demand? Cause mm-hmm. you could kind of screw up a little bit on, on the back end on some of the price stuff. Um, but as long as you know, you're going to fill units and have a demand, you can, you can weather storms and you can be okay. Yeah. And I think that's the most important thing. And then other and then other than that, you know, there's a whole checklist about making sure you're, you know, the, the actual property isn't, you know, the infrastructure is good and you're not going to have a big CapEx problem. That's going to put you out of pocket, uh, you know, right after you buy it. Um, and obviously you have a plan, you can execute that plan and, 
your plan is going to change a little bit. Um, but one of the best things I, I think you mentioned on one of your podcasts earlier that I, I think is, is understated is have more working capital reserve when you buy a property than you think you need. And mm-hmm. I think you mentioned this. Yeah. Uh, because that is so important. You don't want to find yourself, uh, you know, just barely getting by on a property. The idea is, is that you're going to come in day one. You're going to improve the lives of the tenants uh, and the residents that live there. You're going to improve the, the quality of the park. You're going to infuse pride of ownership into this property. People are going to be happy to live there. Hey, thanks for listening. If you liked today's episode, please share with a friend. And if you're feeling extra generous, go ahead and leave us a review. Also, check out more info at TysonDCross.com, and you can find me on LinkedIn as well. Take care.